Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium is made possible by Lord Bloodraw's Patreon supporters. Lord Bloodraw keeps the love of vintage horror and science fiction alive with three weekly shows. The Nerve-Wracking Auditorium, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve-Wracking Theater, the long-running syndicated TV series presenting horror and science fiction feature films, and Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone, presenting episodes of classic genre TV shows. For more info, go to patreon.com slash lordbloodraw. Ah, I'm so glad you're here. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Lord Bloodraw. I host horror and science fiction films on my TV series, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rack and Theater, but here, in this cool, intimate darkness, I'll be presenting tales of horror and the uncanny solely for you, alone. In this auditorium within your mind, you will coalesce the settings and the players from the ether of your imagination. Your terror will be your own creation. This is the sorcery of sound, the subtle magic of old-time radio horror. horror. at the door. You will not need them. This is Lord Bloodraw's nerve-wracking auditorium. What is it about cats? Is it their eyes? Long staring and seemingly all-knowing, jealously guarding their eternal secrets? Or is it their movements? A liquid flowing grace that can suddenly strike with the speed of a coiled snake? Or is it their determined independence? The way they can stroke their soft fur against you, then the next second jump away or claw at your hand if you reach out? What is so fascinating about cats? This tale may hold an answer. From the Price of Fear comes the tale, Cat's Cradle. The Price of Fear, brought to you by Vincent Price. Hello there. Do you own a cat? Or rather, I should say, does a cat own you? 
Doesn't it strike you as strange that despite centuries of domestication, cats have never really lost their independence, their ruthlessness? To cats, life is still the lore of the jungle. Just try taking liberties with your cat. Be he never so tame, and you'll soon be put in your place. <laughs> I've always had a healthy respect for cats, despite that one time when I was forced to... Oh, but let me tell you about it. I think I'll call the story Cat's Cradle. Several years ago, I was making a movie in Germany, and there was some sort of hold-up during shooting, a tiresome and boring state of affairs that happens all too often, and I found myself with some days on my hands, so I decided to visit some of the beautiful old castles of Bavaria. High on my itinerary was Sonderberg in Franconia, near the Württemberg border. Sonderberg tends to get overlooked by the main tourist trade. Yet it is one of the most complete examples I know of a medieval market town which has survived comparatively intact. I checked in at one of the local hotels late one afternoon, and while they were getting my room ready, I sat down at one of the little tables near the door and ordered a drink, a large tankard of their local beer, actually, at the next table sat a young couple, whispering intently, but their voices were angry and out of control, and as I sat enjoying my beer, it was impossible not to overhear that they were deep in some childish tip. Beth, for God's sake, stop talking nonsense. How dare you say it's nonsense? It is nonsense, and you know it. I never even looked at the damn woman. I don't know how you can be so callous. Did you see how disgustingly fat she was? I tell you, I didn't notice her at all. Liar. Oh, shut up. Oh, God, what a start to married life. Oh, look, Beth, you're tired. I'm tired. It, it's all been a strain. Let's not say things we'll be sorry for. Let's have an early night. The next best thing to your German housefrau. Oh, for the last time, I didn't fancy her. If you're going to carry on like this every time I look at another woman, you'd better tear my ruddy eyes out. Ah, so now you admit you looked at her. Oh, for heaven's sake. The young man glanced uneasily in my direction, obviously wondering if I'd become an involuntary eavesdropper. Of course I had. And I certainly had no intention of making myself scarce. Isn't this a charming town? Yes, charming. Delightful. Are you on vacation? No. Yes. <laughs> that is, we... Uh... We're on our honeymoon. Oh, are you? Are you indeed? Well, what an ideal place to spend it. We haven't exactly succumbed to its charms yet. We've only just arrived. Well, give it time. Sonderberg is a step back into the past. It takes a while before its, its charm begins to work. It's certainly quiet enough. Mm, I was here once years ago, and I always promised myself a return visit. Then it seemed like an oasis in a desert of insanity. Yes, I, I suppose so. Except, of course, that Sonderberg has had its own fair share of horrors, you know. <laughs> mm. Whoa, that's good. <laughs> what delightful beer this is. So refreshing. Uh, do go on, please. Well, the castle, do you see it up on that rock? Yes. Look through the window there, see? Oh, oh yes. yes. Well, that was taken over as a headquarters for the Inquisition. 
Oh, the poor wretches who were incarcerated and tortured up there. I saw the castle as we drove in. It was beautiful, but it made me shudder. It's not surprising. The Inquisition left several pleasant little mementos, all in as good a state of preservation as Sonderberg itself. You must visit the place while you're here. Well, that is, if you're not squeamish. Squeamish? Look, I've got an idea. Why don't we join up and go round the castle together tomorrow? Well... Please uh, do. Oh, unless that is you're already busy. Well, no, but... Uh, We'd love it, wouldn't we, Beth? Yes. Yes, of course we would. At first, I couldn't understand the young man's enthusiasm. Uh, I mean, after all, a honeymoon is a, a honeymoon. <laughs> then it struck me that he needed a, a defense mechanism, and I would be there to guard him from the kind of row that I'd stumbled upon just now. Well, at any rate, we agreed to meet in the hotel lobby at ten o'clock in the morning. As events turned out, I needn't have worried about breaking the idyllic atmosphere, because as we were about to set off... Good God, it can't be! <laughs> Bryce, it's you! It really is! Hello, Malcolm. <laughs> now, what are you doing in this neck of the woods? Uh, don't tell me that forced you out of the rat race at last. Malcolm Rivers was one of the world's prize boars. If the first prize in a competition were a part in one of Malcolm's movies, the second prize would have been a part in two of Malcolm's movies. Scouting locations, old son. You see that castle up there? That's just right for a new horror picture we've got. I'd love you to read it. It's a great script. Malcolm, I'm, I'm on vacation. Can't we discuss this later or, or better still see my agent, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, but look, just let me tell you... At this point, our taxi arrived. It was as battered as its driver, but we had all agreed to leave our own transport behind. Trouble was, when Malcolm heard the driver announce that he had come for the castle party, he insisted on coming with us. Castle? Well, you don't mean to say you're actually going there? Yes. Oh, well, that's great. I can actually show you where it all takes place while I'm telling you about it. Malcolm, I... No, come on, don't be so coy. You're worse than a virgin on a wedding night. <laughs> I just couldn't shake him off. You never could with Malcolm. That's how he'd hustled his way to the top. Now he attached himself to us like an incubus. The film's all about the Sonderbergs. You know, the family. A sort of pageant of atrocity. I want to step back and look objectively at what each one did. Take Elisa, for instance. Well, I can't speak for the others. I was doing my best not to listen. The castle, for those who don't know it, is built on an immensely steep rock dominating the town. And on its northern side is surrounded by a moat, which has long since been filled in. At the foot of the wall is a very pleasant garden with little sheltered seats. Sitting there is a good way of recovering from the rather overpowering tour around the castle. The girl was right. There still was a sinister aura clinging to the place, which even a hot and cheerful summer's morning couldn't entirely dissipate. And they broke in and found the girl strung up by the wrists over the hot coals. Incredible story. Of course, we can't actually put all that into the picture, but we can imply a hell of a lot. You've got to admit, it's a damn good commercial plot line. Now, that's why it's so important to get the feel of the place where it happened. We want to get right away from the studio look. Well, they can go out and shoot a police picture in real locations, or why not a horror picture? 
Now, the seventh count was a real character. This, this you've got to hear. They say Mr. Rivers, he... uh, do you mind if we change the subject? Huh? My wife is feeling a bit faint. Uh, oh, oh that, that's too bad, Mrs. Uh, and we haven't even seen the torture tower yet. Uh, now, sir, would your lady wife like to wait for us out here? She could sit down there in the garden. Oh, no, I, I don't want to miss anything. I'm quite all right. I think it was probably just that steep hill uh, and the heat. You go on, Malcolm. Hmm? We'll catch up with you later. Uh, oh, no, no, I wouldn't dream of it. Stick together through thick and thin. That's my motto. <laughs> oh, I know. Look at that. Ah, oh, isn't it sweet? It, it can't be more than six weeks old. It was a tiny black kitten, which was playing with its mother near one of the seats in the garden just below us. The cat, a great sleek creature whose coat shone in the sun, lay stretched on the grass and the kitten romped around nearer. The mother would wave her tail for the kitten to try to clutch with its paw or raise her feet to push the little one away as an encouragement to further efforts. It was a charming sight. Beth has been on to me to buy her a cat as soon as we were married. Now I'll get no peace. Oh, Jack, I'd like to take them both. I wonder who they belong to. Oh, they're not strays, and that's for sure. Well, look at the condition of the mother's coat. Well, they probably belong to the castle. They'd be great for the picture. Had a touch of atmosphere. Here, 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 puss. Oh, puss. Malcolm, leave them alone. <laughs> they can't get up the wall anyway. It's far too steep. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. Oh, look at the size of the mother. We don't grow cats like that in England. Now, wait just a minute. Ah. ah, here we are. What are you doing? Well, I'll just throw this stone to attract their attention. No, don't do that. Don't do that. You might hit the kitten. Oh, not a chance. What do you take me for? I may produce uh, movies, but I'm not all that bad. I'll just aim it so it lands near them. Make them look up. You ever seen the expression on a cat's face when it's startled? Well, well, watch. <laughs> Oh, good God, old oh, man, look what you've done. Uh, I, I, I never meant never meant to do that. Maybe the wall wasn't as sheer as it looked. Maybe there was a concealed angle at its base which we couldn't see. Whatever the reason, Malcolm's aim wasn't as true as he thought. I truly believe that he only intended to startle those cats. But when he leaned over the wall and threw the stone, it landed with a sickening thud right on the kitten's head and shattered out its little brains there and then. The mother cast a swift upward glance, and I saw her eyes flash like green fire as she stared for an instant at Malcolm Rivers. Then her attention was given to the kitten. After one quiver, it lay still, while a thin red trickle oozed from a gaping wound. Well, I, I wouldn't have had this happen for the world. I, I, I can't understand it. Yes, darling. The cat was assiduously licking the kitten's wound. And then suddenly she stopped. She must have realized that it was dead and that her ministrations were useless. For all at once she appeared to lose all interest in the pathetic little body... Instead, she looked again at Rivers, and in that look was all the concentration of primitive hate. Her green eyes blazed, and the blood which dabbled her mouth and whiskers made her look for all the world like an avenging fury. 
There, Malcolm, I hope you're satisfied. That's something for your horror film. And you have the consolation of knowing it's real blood and not vegetable dye. Oh, don't rub it in. I feel bad enough as it is. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Of course you do. I, I love cats. I really do. Although my outburst was a relief, I I felt slightly ashamed. I, I realized how painfully vulnerable the man really was. I turned my attention to the cat. She was now attempting to claw her way up the wall. When this failed, she tried to launch herself into the air, eyes blazing, claws distended, and then she fell back. Let's go on. I can't bear anymore. Do you want to go home? We can come back tomorrow. I, uh, I think a brandy would do you good. I think a brandy would do us all good. No, I don't want to go back to the hotel. I want to see the castle. Let's go on. In face of her obvious determination, there was nothing else we could do. At least the tour would divert her mind, or so we hoped. And we also hoped that Malcolm would be deterred from prattling on about his inane script. But no. I really expect to pick up some great vibrations in the torture tower. It's just over there. You see, you see, you, you can't expect to involve your audience unless you're involved yourself. Now, that's... That's the basic rule. You've got to be convinced. And that's why so many movies are just laughable. Nobody is convinced, least of all the makers. <laughs> I remember one crazy scene. <laughs> this will kill you. <laughs> there, there was this... As Malcolm laughed, I looked back at the cat. She too had heard, and her whole demeanor seemed to change. She no longer tried to jump or run up the wall but instead began to lick and fondle the dead kitten as if it were alive. Then she took it in her mouth and began to follow us until we reached the limit of the wall's boundary. I thought I was the only one who noticed, but I was wrong. Mr. Rivers, I know this may sound silly, but I think that cat means to do you harm. <laughs> oh, now that I love. Oh, let's keep a sense of proportion about this. Well, I'm... Terribly sorry about what happened, but I refuse to avoid dark alleys over a damn cat. <laughs> Besides, she probably has a litter of others under some bush. Yes, Beth, I think you're being melodramatic. Do you? Look, Beth, are you sure you wouldn't rather call it a day? Oh, for heaven's sake, stop fussing. I said I was all right, didn't I? Or are you trying to get rid of me? Oh, now, don't start that again. All I was trying to do was to give Mr. Rivers a perfectly reasonable warning. I think all are afraid. Well... Here's the tower entrance. Shall we go in? I tried to sound unconcerned, but somewhere in the back of my mind, I had a sneaking feeling that the girl was probably right. At first, we could see nothing. The darkness seemed incarnate, surrounding, stifling us like a blanket. The four of us just stood there, waiting for the use of our eyes to return. We were in the lower chamber. The thin sunlight filtering in through a tiny window seemed to lose itself in the thickness of the walls which were coated with the dust of centuries. Here and there were patches of dark stain, only rivers, naturally, 
remained comparatively unmoved. Not much room for cameras down here. Still, I suppose we could manage. Excuse me, but you are English? Yes. Well, three of us are. I think your English are interested in tortures, yes? Yes. Uh, You would like to see our collection? Yes. The best in Germany. Thank you very much. Perhaps you could show us around. You will uh, follow me, please. You are my first party of the day. The main collection is on the floor above. I think you will find them interesting. I remembered the wealth of stories about the legendary cruelty of the Counts of Sonderberg and, of course, their ladies. It was said that they had found a legitimate outlet for their bloodlusts by channeling them into the service of the officers of the Inquisition. None of your half-measures here. Wow! Look at all that! We found ourselves in a room full of torture instruments, chairs full of spikes which gave instant and excruciating pain, steel cages in which the head could slowly be crushed into a pulp, racks, belts, boots, gloves, collars, and all around the walls great headsmen's swords, evil, keen-edged weapons that would decapitate with one slash, and nearby blocks where the victims' necks had lain, with deep notches where the steel had bitten through the guard of flesh and shored into the wood. We all found ourselves speechless in the face of this bestial evidence of man's inhumanity to man. All that is except Malcolm Rivers. Unbelievable! Just what we need! It's too good to be true, it really is. You see, it's perfect for a setup just here. It's a question of getting permission to use the stuff, but I wonder what the formalities are. Hey, let me just sit in that chair a moment. Wow! Rivers was behaving with his usual insensitivity, but there was something more. I think the others shared the feeling with me that it was sacrilegious. An odd word to use, I know, but there was something sacred about the place. It was a a temple, but a temple to evil. Now, over here, sirs and madam, is a famous instrument of the Inquisition. Uh, One might almost say the most famous, and still in perfect working order. The old man pointed to the main object in this chamber of horrors, the Iron Virgin, a copy of the famous one at Nuremberg. The contraption was covered in rust and dust, except for the face, which was oddly fresh-looking, as if the custodian had scrubbed it. While the figure was curved in the shape of a woman, it was just broad enough for a man to fit inside, as we could see when the door was opened. The door itself was enormously thick and was worked open and shut by a thick chain running through a pulley attached to a heavy beam in the roof. When the weight was released, the door would slam shut. The devilish nature of the Iron Virgin was truly revealed when you examined the inside of the door. A number of iron spikes were fixed there, and when the victim was placed inside it and the door closed, the upper spikes would pierce his eyes and the lower ones his heart and vitals. What a charming toy. Oh, God, look at the bloodstains. It's hard to wash out blood completely, man. And there are some who say it comes back anyway. I 
think I can believe this place is haunted. And on that happy note, I vote that we make a hurried exit. That suits me. Well, let's go and have that drink we promised ourselves, shall we? Right now. No, 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 wait. What's up this time, for God's sake? Hey, you, old man. Now, how big is that space? What, sir? Uh, the space inside. I want to see if I can get in. Oh. Well, <laughs> I told you, I like sampling new experiences. Now, Malcolm, realism is one thing. Nonsense. Courage of your convictions and all that. Now, come on, squire. I need your help on this. Very good, sir, if you insist. You're not serious. Well, sure I am. Yeah. Yeah. That's a <laughs> tight fit. You have... Grown some since those days. But I'll manage. Here. See? You are not really allowed to do this, sir. If anyone found out, I might get into trouble. Why should anyone find out? I might even lose my job. Okay, okay, I get you. A price. Uh, give him something, will you? Oh, well, I'll... I'll settle with you later. I think this is all very silly. All in the cause of art. Well, I, for one, won't go and see his beastly film. That, my dear, makes two of us. Hey, what's all the whispering about? Oh, here you are. Two, four, six. <laughs> thank you, sir. Oh, thank you, sir. Do you think that will square your conscience? Oh, yes, sir. I, I think it squares it very nicely. And now that you've had your little game, can we all go? Go, if you like. I'm not stopping you. I'm, I'm staying here. Oh, come on, Malcolm. Malcolm, nothing. I'm really enjoying this. Live dangerously, that's my motto. <laughs> oh, Charlie, now unfasten the door. But, sir... Can't somebody stop this? Malcolm, us? you've had your little joke, but enough is enough. Enough hell. You, Charlie, do as I tell you. Now start letting that door down. But slowly. Very, very slowly. Despite his reluctance, the old man did as he was told. He worked the machine with a deliberate and excruciating slowness in which the outer edge of the door hadn't moved half five inches in as many minutes. The whole ridiculous charade had a kind of macabre thrill about it. <laughs> it was a scene from Malcolm's horror film played exclusively for our benefit. And then I saw her. A cat. I don't think the others noticed at first. They were too intent on watching the progress of that door. Even Rivers had ceased to chatter. In the far corner of the chamber, dark, untamable forces were gathering. Her green, baleful eyes shone like danger lamps. And as I peered at her, I could see that their color was heightened by the blood, which still smeared her coat and reddened her mouth. And still, slowly, inexorably, with the precision of an expert, the old man went on working that door. Even then, I wasn't sure what the animal intended to do, or even if she intended to do anything, until suddenly... <laughs> The cat! Look out for the cat! The cat launched herself, not at Malcolm, but at the luckless custodian. Her eyes blazed with ferocity. Her hair bristled till she seemed twice her normal size. Her tail lashed out like a tiger's when the quarry is before it. 
the cat's claws found one of his eyes, and I actually saw her tear through it and down his cheek, leaving wide bands of red where the blood seemed to spurt from every vein. Oh, Jack! Oh, God! Look out! He can't hold it! With a yell of agony and terror, the man leapt back, dropping the chain which held back the door. It ran like lightning through the pulley block, and the massive door slammed shut. In the instant before the door had closed, I saw Malcolm's face. His eyes stared as if dazed, and for once in his life, he was speechless. Jack, help me get the door open. For God's sake, help me. I'm coming. Beth, stay where you are. For God's sake, don't look. The end must have been quick, for when we managed to wrench the door open, the spikes had done their work. They had pierced right through the skull, so that as the door opened, the body came with it, and he fell to the floor, face turned upwards. Get your wife out of here. She needs air. I'll attend to the old man. Right. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> the old custodian was leaning against the wooden pillar, holding his reddening handkerchief to his eyes, while on the face of poor Rivers, there sat the cat purring loudly as she licked the blood which trickled through the gashed sockets of his eyes. I pushed her away from her ghoulish meal and, well, I hope no one will call me cruel because I seized one of the old executioner's swords from its rack on the wall and with one slash, shore her in two on the spot. Poor Malcolm. He'd had his total experience, a good deal more total than he'd bargained for. Cozy, wasn't it? You see what I mean about cats? You never can tell. That was Vincent Price, bringing you The Price of Fear. Also starring in this story, Cat's Cradle, were Kenneth J. Warren and Frederick Schrecker, with John Sampson and Bonnie Harron. Cat's Cradle was first recounted as The Score by Bram Stoker, dramatized by Richard Davis and produced by John Dias.
Is that it? Is that what is so fascinating about cats? That cats can crave bloody revenge? Just like humans do? Mm. Perhaps, perhaps not. But still, it's probably best not to anger a cat. Because if a cat does avenge itself on you, you'll never see it coming. Thank you for joining me in the Nerve Racken Auditorium, and I hope you'll come again. But now it's time for you to rejoin the, uh, real world. I am Lord Bloodraw, and I'll be waiting here for you in the shadows of your mind until the next time you seek the darkness. Good night. <laughs>